Coast2Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode 26. I'm your host, Kyle Creasy, and I'm here with my co-host, Emmett Ernstberger. Again, uh, Luke Walker could not be with us tonight. It's just, just a lot going on, but he will be back at some point. This is not some long-term thing. Just, you know, everybody has stuff that goes on, and he's just very busy with some school stuff tonight. So we will have him back soon. So for that reason, we didn't want to do two positional groups with Luke not here, so we will be pushing back our top 10 centers to a later date, hopefully next week at some point. But, you know, we wanted to give you guys an episode, obviously, since we've been on here. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell saga is finally over. He has been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, he was traded the day after we did our last podcast. <laughs> um, we know whenever we were guaranteeing you that he would be a Nick, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, that was an all-time fumble by New York, but but we'll we'll get to that. Um, and then we just want to talk about how the 76ers have kind of round, rounded out their roster and how they look going into next year. And then lastly, we just want to end it with um, we've got two high-anticipated matchups between two very, very intriguing draft prospects coming in early October. But to start things out, obviously, we need to address the trade that finally happened. Donovan Mitchell has been traded. The Cleveland Cavaliers came out of nowhere. Um, you know, first, I just want to go into the shock element of this man. Uh, Emmett, you and me both know. The Cleveland Cavaliers were very engaged with the Utah Jazz. That is not a secret. Everyone knew that. But they pulled out. They pulled out of talks. And and that was very the the public that was very public information. Everyone knew that the Cavs were in for about a week and they got out. So my first question to you is before we found out a lot of details, what was the shock element to you as soon as you saw the news? I mean, I was sitting in my living room watching football cuz I think it was on a Saturday maybe. Maybe it was a Friday. I can't remember I whenever it was, but whatever. I feel like I I was in my living room with some friends and we were watching football, and I was I saw the alert, and I immediately it was on a Saturday. It was on a Saturday. Yeah, I I stood up, walked outside, and didn't know what to do with myself. Honestly, because <laughs> like I said a couple weeks ago, that the Cavs were one of my sleeper finals teams. Yeah, you did, and they literally just added Donovan Mitchell to that. Like I'm Cavs fan. I mean, I'm always going to be a LeBron guy, so I got some Cavs in me, and it it was just so happy, or I was so happy, could not believe it. So, me being a very big Donovan Mitchell fan, yes, I was very shocked. I mean, you guys heard it on the podcast, and I think 99% of people would have told you two weeks ago, "Hey, Donovan Mitchell's going to be a Nick." And I mean, Donovan Mitchell said it himself. Like we're finding out later, he had his press conference. He literally said he was convinced he was going home. To New York, he's from there. I mean, even the, even the man himself thought he was going to be a Nick, and he he I mean, openly admitted that. I think the Knicks thought he was going to be a Nick too. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone in the NBA, including the entire Jazz front office, thought he was going to be a Nick. I wonder up if until RJ, that. I wonder if RJ Barrett thought he was going to be a member of the Jazz. <laughs> I I he might have been thinking that, but he was going to bed. Every single night praying he's not. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, you know, obviously everybody was shocked by it. Um, shout out to Kobe Altman. Guys, basically what happened was the Knicks pretty much had it on lock. They gave RJ Barrett the extension, and Kobe Altman picked up the phone and called Danny Ainge immediately, and they worked out a deal the very next day. So, Knicks, and we'll get into it. What are you doing? 
Like, what are you doing? I it part part of me is disappointed in the Knicks, but the other part of me is kind of happy they kept RJ. Because I I really wanted to see what RJ could do in New York, and I know that's kind of like so what because Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, but I the way it all happened, I honestly couldn't be more happy. Man, my I, thing is like, yes, I'm totally glad. Like, I get to see RJ Barrett in an environment that's trying to win some basketball games. Like, whereas in Utah, you would people would just claim. Kind of like the Shea thing where, like, nobody – Yeah. If you really watch it, like, you understand how good Shea is. But, like, the general public doesn't give Shea much attention because the Thunder aren't winning games. And so that's kind of how it would have been in Utah with R.J. Barrett. Whereas, like, the Knicks are trying to win some basketball games, so you're going to see it a little bit more in New York. And it's and it's New York, so, I mean, just spotlight. But how many times are we going to hear from the Knicks, I'm going to get a star, we're going to get a star. And, like, this one was literally – lobbed up to them for them to just go up and get it the easiest thing ever and they fumbled even on even on the easiest possible scenario yeah. you can imagine i mean for me it's not necessarily that they missed out on donovan mitchell because donovan mitchell is not going to put them in situation to win the finals oh yeah especially as currently constructed yeah, yeah but adding donovan mitchell allows someone else to say hey like that's a team I can actually play for now. Yeah. And they just completely missed on that. I mean, and we talked about that last pod, man, was like, like you can't sit there and criticize because we we were pretty sure that Donovan Mitchell was going to be a member of the Knicks. So we were like, does this make the Knicks a contender? No, not, not at all. But, like, that's not the basis of it. The basis of getting Donovan Mitchell is, like you just said, to make the next move. Because when you get a player of his caliber, it's a lot easier to make the next move. Once you get star yeah. one, it's a heck of a lot easier to get star two, but it's hard to get star one. Whether yes, it's it was, draft, in free agency, via trade, it's hard to get star one. Every team just needs that first domino to fall, and then players just they just start appearing. Like I mean, and it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but the Knicks have some years. It's it's going to be a while before they actually make a push at the finals, and I hate to say that. Yeah, and we'll come back to the Knicks specifically here in a minute. But let's go over the trade package specifically that was shipped out to get Donovan Mitchell. All that the Jazz sent was Donovan Mitchell. I say that. it's one, That's a very big trade ship. Um, so Donovan Mitchell was the only thing sent from Utah, though. Cleveland sent out. They signed. They finally signed Colin Sexton. It was signed and trade with him. Glad he got paid. He's way too good of a player to have went this long without a contract. Um I know he tore his ACL, but come on, man. Like, I think we've touched on this, too. Like, guys in today's NBA can come back from a torn ACL pretty easily, especially at his age. It's not like he's 34 and just tore his ACL. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they got him. They got Laurie Markinen. Not a great NBA player or anything, but, I mean, contract's not horrible, and maybe he's a young piece. He's had a very nice Euro basket. So, uh, you know, maybe he can build off that going into this year, going into this year and being able to uh, have more – we basically had the keys handed to him and Sexton kind of in the offense this year with Utah. And uh, missing the last piece. Oh. Uh, the rookie. Oh, Chai Abaji. Yeah. He was traded. You know, not a big deal. They just drafted him. It's not like you even saw Cleveland with him on the roster. So, yes. And then they traded 
2025 unprotected first round pick, 2027 unprotected first round pick, and a 2029 unprotected first round pick. And then there's two first round pick swaps in there. I think those can change depending on they they can choose to convey certain swaps or something like that. I don't think it's set years. But um, so essentially five first round picks, six if you want to include getting a Baji as well, uh, three unprotected. I still liked it for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I I do like um, I'm I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Like a Baji is that how you say it? I I think he's a solid prospect. He's a little bit on the older side. I'm pretty sure he is. I think he was like a junior or something coming out. Yeah, but that that's I don't really think that's too big of an issue. But I I love Colin Sexton. I would be shocked if he scores averages under 25 a game this next year. Does that I'm make like, the Jazz good? No. Yeah. But he he will have a phenomenal season. I'm totally with you, man. Like I totally expect the keys are gonna be handed to Colin Sexton, and they're gonna say. Because especially, I mean, I'm totally expecting Bogdanovich to be traded, Clarkson to be traded, Beasley's probably out of there, um, and Conley's kind of a harder one to trade because of the contract. His contract is horrendous. Yeah. Um, it's very bad. Uh, it's it's multiple years. It's like 25 million per year. It's it's awful, man. It's got to be one of the worst contracts in the league right now. No hate to Mike Conley. He's still very good off the dribble with threes and can create a little bit. A nice floater, but man, to be making that money and for how long he is at this point, just awful. I mean, you saw in the playoffs, I get it, they were playing the Mavericks, but it wasn't just a Luka Doncic thing. There was three games without Luka Doncic, and even in scenarios without Luka, Mike Conley can't guard a soul right now. And not not a single one. Yeah, but so they're they're gonna move on from those guys. It keys are literally gonna be handed to Colin Sexton here. It's gonna be his time to kind of come back. Like he, like he was two years ago in Cleveland, balls in his hands. Hey, man, do what you can do. Go get a bucket. Create for us. And that's going to be fun to watch because he's a very efficient, very prolific scorer. Um, so totally excited to watch him again. Um, Markin is yeah. probably not in the long go, – go ahead. Go ahead. We can talk about Markin. I, I was just going to say I am looking forward to actually watching this Jazz team. I don't – I think I'm probably in the minority with that. But I – like you're about to say something about Lowry. But like at the same time, I kind of like his play style. Just his from the play style in theory is great. Yeah, but it's if he's going to show up or not and do yeah. that is the big question. Yeah. But just like I feel like they have so many different completely random pieces on this team. Well, that's that's part of the like, Victor tanking stuff. Yeah, but they they just have every <laughs> single play style you can imagine. When you're taking, when you're taking, you don't care what's on your team. The the issue is they're not going to get the first pick because they're going to get Bama, Colin Sexton, and what LeBron pictured THT to be. They're getting the eighth seed. <laughs> I hear you. No, but in all, all seriousness, I do think it's going to be a fun team to watch. It fun is the objective here. I'm not going to call it fun. I'll call it interesting. Um, and that, that's probably better. <laughs> only because I do think it'll be interesting to watch Markinen come off this Eurobasket. It's not like he's just been good in Eurobasket. This dude has been phenomenal in Eurobasket. Yeah. Um, and Sexton, you know, definitely got something to prove to himself – or not to himself, but like to Cleveland or some of the rest of the NBA for kind of just giving up on him, if we're being honest, or not caring enough for his skill set, which is pretty ridiculous. But to watch him, I could care less about THT. Um, but yeah, 
uh, you know, Baji, I'm sure he's a bit, not like a building block, but a piece that they totally see as a, you know, future guy for them. Um, aside from that, they don't have a whole lot of youth in Utah. <laughs> Zero. If, if they do, it's not NBA players. <laughs> so it, it would be interesting. But then, you know, for the flip side, the Cavs, you know, you're switching, you're bringing on Donovan Mitchell. One of the guys you traded didn't even play this year on a team that was basically a playoff team. I mean, I know they didn't actually make it, but a top four seed majority of the year, Jared Allen gets hurt and then they lose Rubio for the year. And so then they slide down to the play in and they have to play Katie and Kyrie. I mean, sorry, one game setting. That's not the easiest thing in the world. And then they had to play Trey Young, like, you know, for a team with no playoff experience and you got to play those guys back to back in single elimination games. It's not going to be easy to come out of, but in, um, you know, you, yeah, you bring him on. Sexton's gone. Markinen was okay for them this past year. It wasn't anything crazy to give him up at all. And then obviously Abaji not played for them. So you really have, you really replaced Markinen with Donovan Mitchell, which crazy good upgrade considering what they've needed. And, you know, they, they really needed secondary creation and they needed more scoring. And they get that immediately with Donovan Mitchell here. Uh, you know, I, we've talked about it on the previous pod whenever we mentioned, Cleveland as a potential destination for Donovan Mitchell. It really doesn't matter how that backcourt defense is. It does, but it's not as big of an issue whenever Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are also on your team's defense. Um, Jared Allen alone can give you a top 10 defense, and Evan Mobley with him, you're talking like top six, seven. Really doesn't matter who's on the floor with them. Yeah, de- defensively, you have the two slender men in the paint. It, like like you said, it doesn't necessarily matter who's guarding in the wings. It's like, yeah, they're going to give up some threes, but if anyone gets past them, that offensive player is going to have nightmares about that thing. And, and I mean, let's think about a Donovan Mitchell team in the past few years. What have we literally watched the past few years with Utah? A defensive anchor, probably the best defensive anchor in the league, along with horrific perimeter defense. Like, it can work, like, in terms of, like – yeah. We don't have to talk playoffs right now. This Cleveland Cavaliers team is trying to first make the playoffs. Okay. They're going to get there. Like they will be there now. And yeah, it's that it's alone a is, a, is a W. And, and I get it. Donovan Mitchell probably isn't the best player on a championship team. That's not the thought when making this trade. They have a potential superstar with Evan Mobley. So if you can exactly. have him ascend by the time he's, you know, 24, 25 years old, you still have. Prime Darius Garland, prime Jared Allen, prime Donovan Mitchell, with hopefully at that point ascending superstar Evan Mobley. It's, I mean, you literally have two opposite teams in this trade. The Cavs are just this young, very, very talented team that their ceiling is insanely high. And then the Jazz, I hate to say it, are like the Lakers without LeBron and AD. It's just old trash, just like weird pieces. But the Cavs, I mean, Evan Mobley, if he reaches his potential, is the centerpiece of this team. And Donovan Mitchell is just the great two or the great second player. And that's no disrespect to him. Dwayne Wade made a living at it at the end of his career. But this team genuinely could be the best team in the NBA. I wouldn't even be shocked if they ended up being the one seed after the regular season was over. So I'm kind of with you on they definitely have one seed potential. I won't go as far to say the best team in the NBA. I think they lack a real three and D wing for them to be a for them to be a legit contender with the other teams oh, uh, this, this year specifically. 
I'm not saying the best team this year. I meant like oh, two years oh, down the road. Okay. But okay. but the one seed this year, I was that was a thought. Yeah, no, I mean they're definitely built for that type of thing, and it's going to be interesting to see who they play at that three spot. You know, maybe it's Isaac Okoro. A lot of issues there with him. Great defender, but the guy averages so much space, wide open space, and still only shoots thirty five percent from three. Yeah, if if he's starting, it's solely because of his defense. Yeah, and I hate to say that, but like that's just genuinely what it is. And maybe, maybe he can have a little bit of a shooting jump. Mobley can have more of a shooting jump, and at that point, maybe it's okay. But maybe it's him. Maybe it's Karis Levert. I think Karis Levert could be a perfect six man with this roster if they could find, they could find a real three and D guy. Um, that would be a role he could totally thrive in. I mean, you're talking. Potential to be the best six man in the league, and you you know that helps a lot on like a title on like a title team or a team with title aspirations. Um, and maybe it's like a guy like Jetty Osmond. I don't know. I mean, you know, just a little bit of versatility in terms of shooting defense can play make just a little bit has a little bit of rim ability. So he has some length too. So yeah. So I don't know. There's definitely a hole there. Maybe they could try to work something out via trade. I don't. know. It's gonna be hard, but. I would love for them to find a three and D wing. And if they can do that, then you are talking possibly best team in the league. It's not easy I, to go get, but they can do it. I do hope um, Karis LeVert comes off the bench, though. Yeah, I, for years, I've thought he has potential to be the best six man or the best bench player. I just feel like his play style, just his offense ability, screams a solid 15 plus off the bench six man every single year. So and that's you, just. Yeah. Could, could you imagine? Like let's say they were they are able to go out and find a three and D somewhere. Again, not saying it's gonna be easy, but let's say they do. And you've got a top eight of Darius Garland, a Donovan Mitchell, said three and D player, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Karis Levert, Kevin Love, and Ricky Rubio. Insane. And that's why I'm saying they have such a, a very high chance of becoming the first seed in the East. It's because they're just so deep and they're electric. Like they're just fast paced. I mean, it's what you want for a whole regular season. And it's not saying they're going to win the finals because I honestly don't think so. But in years past, the one seeds have always just been kind of the more upbeat teams, the teams yeah. that are just most willing to win every single game. Yeah, for sure. And I, they, they fit that bill perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, just one last thing I want to say about the Cavs package was, these picks, yes, they're unprotected. And, and you know, Zach Lowe hit on it in one of his podcasts. The reason that you ask for so many unprotected first is because all you need is for one to hit. It makes the trade exactly. work. All you need is one. So it's okay if Cleveland is amazing, but maybe they suffer injuries one year. All you need is one. But the Cavs have so much stability here just in terms of Garland's locked up. Very long term, just sign the extension. I think he's on for like six years. Donovan Mitchell's on for at least three years. And you got to think maybe even as early as next year, they work out an extension because I think this is going to work out well. Um, Evan Mobley, that guy's going to be locked in there for, you know, seven years and maybe even longer because of the rookie scale contract stuff. Jared Allen's there for like three more years or something like that. And they'll probably extend him as soon as they can and he'll sign it as soon as he can. Like the core here is not going anywhere anytime soon. So you don't have to be worried there, but I also agree with what Zach's saying in terms of why it is a W for Utah is all it takes is one. So I mean, it 
drafting might be throwing a dart, but like literally it's just one has to hit. You can miss the dartboard every single time, but if you hit the bullseye one time, right back in play. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that it's a guy like Danny Ainge, and I've touched on this before as well, I'm comfortable. I'm totally okay with a guy like Danny Ainge trading for a bunch of picks. Totally okay with a guy like Sam Presti trading for a bunch of picks. I can't say that about all GMs. So there are people that that I'm comfortable with doing that. But there's people that I'm totally not. And so, like, that part of it matters too. So, like, hate hate to bash on them even more. But let's say the Knicks hypothetically traded somebody for draft picks. That's a bad trade for them because because look at their draft track record. So not great. Yeah. So like it really just varies on the GM there and kind of the team that you're dealing with. So big W for Danny Ainge because even if those picks are 15, 16, 17, let's say the Cavs have an injury or whatever and it's like low lottery or right outside the lottery, Danny Ainge can make a great pick there. So I mean there's is it the 14th or 13th spot? There's been numerous all-stars been drafted there in the past 13. five years. 13 is the number. Years. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't really matter how far you're down there. You can always find that guy. And it's funny how that works because 13 this year was Jalen Duran, and he's the dude with like some most potential in the entire draft. It, I, I was a huge Duran fan when he was coming and he's out gonna of be school. playing with And he's going to be playing with Kate Cunningham for his career. <laughs> Horrified thought. Yeah. Um, do we bash on the Knicks or do we move on? I mean, let's discuss what was offered first, and then we can decide if we want to bash them or not. Well, I, I guess I'll say this. Actually, no. You, you, you say the offer first, and then I'll say what I'm going to say. Basically, we found out, guys. R.J. Barrett was a deal breaker. Like Danny Ainge wanted R.J. Barrett. And I think we kind of discussed that already. But they were not going to make a deal without R.J. Barrett. Now, I okay, we're bashing the Knicks. I don't care. Quentin Grimes is the reason that the deal wasn't made. Quentin Grimes. I'm going to say it one more time. Quentin Grimes is the reason Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick. Yeah, I, I need to ask you something before I say my little rant. Is it true that the Cavs made the trade because they saw a tweet that the Knicks trade did not go through? Uh, no. What happened? I mean, maybe, but what happened was the Cavs saw that Kobe Altman has literally talked about this. The Cavs saw that RJ Barrett signed the extension, and the moment they saw that, they got on the phone with Danny Ainge. Kobe Altman got on the phone with Danny Ainge in Utah. It's just like what I saw was. They saw something on Twitter. I'm not sure exactly what that was. He got up off the couch, grabbed his phone, made a call, sent the offer, and the deal was done. And I'm just sitting there thinking, if that's not the most New York Knicks thing ever, that a tweet is why they lost Donovan Mitchell. I mean, not realistically, but just kind of the domino effect. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, I, I, Spike, Spike Lee needs to get out of there. Yeah. He, he needs to find a team. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just know – from my understanding and from what's been reported and what's been said by Kobe Altman, who's the GM of the Cavs, they had literally pulled out of talks. They were talking nonstop with Utah for a week. They pulled out. R.J. Barrett signed the extension with the Knicks. He hopped on the phone, 
they got back on the phone the next morning and they made the deal. I mean, if if I'm a Knicks fan and I live in New York, I'm hopping on the first train driving to Utah. <laughs> and I'm I'm putting every ounce of faith I have in those draft picks and hoping the Jazz become something because mm-hmm. I'm never looking at the blue and orange again. Madison, no, none of that. You can look at blue and orange. You can just go to the Thunder. <laughs> that, okay, somewhere that's not the Knicks. <laughs> I don't care if the pizza's good. And it's, I don't have to see a skyscraper again. Screw it. That's got to be the worst franchise to be a fan of because at least the other teams are drafting semi-decent or have some future. I just can't get around the fact. Here's here's what's even crazier. They off, so, so the Jazz wanted three unprotected first and then some swaps, but they wanted three unprotected first. Well, New York offered three unprotected firsts at the beginning of the summer, apparently. And the Jazz said no because they hadn't made a decision on both Rudy and Donovan yet. I get it. I get it. They said yeah. no at that time period. If you were gonna if you were the one that initiated offering three unprotected firsts, why were you so unwilling to give it now? That that's the I maybe there were questions on whether they could extend RJ. But besides that, it's it, it literally there's zero sense. I mean, that's why we were all sold he was going to the Knicks in the first place, because everything was lining up perfect, and all they had to do was lift the toilet seat and pee in it. But they they decided to pee somewhere else. Like it, it doesn't it nothing matters. Like nothing makes sense at all. Like because apparently what they were trying to do was trade a third pick and they were trying to top five protect it. And Danny Ainge said, no, and I completely understand that needs to be unprotected. If I'm going to trade you and solely hope on draft picks to hit, because the theory, I meant to mention this earlier. It's not a theory. Well, I was just talking about it. They weren't trading for to have R.J. Barrett. The thought process was get R.J. Barrett and draft capital and then flip R.J. Barrett and get even more draft capital. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Danny Ainge to the T right there, but I mean, it, no, nothing makes sense. Yeah. I'm happy he's a Cav. I'm not like that's was kind of my preferred place, even though I would have enjoyed seeing him in the Knicks. But like, come on, that they're going to be stuck at like the eight to ten seed, probably even eleven or twelve now. Like, how is your how is your how do you at the beginning of the summer offer three unprotected firsts and then the the jazz ask for your final offer whenever they're about to pull the trigger with Cleveland and you only offer two unprotected firsts and you won't put Quentin Grimes in the deal yeah that Quentin Grimes is might be Quentin Grimes that, better, that might be Quentin the single worst start he better start and play 30 minutes a game this year like in any sport, any league, any year, that that has to be like the one player that bothers me the most that they've been like kept out of a trade. Like I'm, I'm a, like the THT for Kyle Lowry thing. That is, that is in the past now. Quentin Grimes for Donovan Mitchell, and is that's now front. You know, man, don't get me wrong. The THT for Lowry thing was insane, but at the same time, I, I, Lowry, I do hate to keep bringing up THT though. I need well, to say that. <laughs> but at the same time, Lowry was going to be a free agent that off season. Yeah, and, and so it's like I'm not saying THT was valuable to me at the time, but it's like you still could have traded away an asset in a sense. What to what 
turned out to be nothing. So like, but with this, you would get Donovan Mitchell, who has three years left on his contract, and New York is literally his home. Yeah, he's definitely going to re-sign to the three years was just the number. <laughs> if he's if he gets traded to the Knicks, he's probably there for the rest of his career, unless something probably, drastic unless, happens. Unless like late in his career, yeah. I mean, and what's the worst thing that happens? They sit at an eight seed, maybe a uh, play-in team for the next three years, but at the same time, they have Donovan Mitchell and their ticket sales are back up. Yeah, like <laughs> I, it's I just the East is loaded now, and the Knicks are not going to be competitive with some of those teams. No, the Knicks, man, I'll come out and say it. I don't expect them to be this bad. There might only be two teams worse than the Knicks in the East, which is hard to say because a few years ago they were looking very, very good when it came to potential. Yeah. Can you take a guess? Julius Randle's thing. What'd you say? Can you take a guess which two teams I'm referring to? The the Jazz and uh, no, um, in the East. In the East. Oh, the East. Uh, One's obvious. You just might not think of them right now. I mean, I the, the bad teams. In, oh, the Pacers definitely. The, but then the, the other ones. The I'm other one I'm referring to. Like Wizards, Magic, but I feel like they're actually going to be not, pretty decent. I'm not. I'm not even referring to those. I can't. The Heat. <laughs> no, but no, no. The dude, I, oh God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have removed that team from my memory. That that team does not <laughs> exist. <laughs> feel Man, bad for the Melo. That's a random tidbit, but one guy from the or no, not from the Athletic. I don't remember where he's from. He tweeted something today that was like. And he was like being serious. He was like, I honestly keep hearing all this noise about how Shea Ghost Alexander is that next star that people are going to be waiting on to request out. And he was like, I don't know why we aren't hearing more about that guy being Lamelo Ball. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, we've we've been saying it is the they had such a bad offseason because they haven't found anyone to put with Lamelo. It's just going to be yeah. Damian two point It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But. I could go on about the Knicks thing. Obviously, they fumbled. We don't need to touch on it. They're ridiculous. They're such a shame. They're the worst. They're one of the worst franchises in the entire league. Um, they're not going to do anything this year. They're not going to do anything next year. They're not going to do anything the year after that. They're probably not going to do anything a decade from now. Um, but that's their loss. They did it to themselves. They had Donovan Mitchell in their lap. Hey, they still have Spike Lee there, though. They do. They do. It's always, always a big thing. But just kind of two quick topics to – you know, touch before we head out of here. Um, 76ers have, have completed their roster at this point. Um, they acquired Montrez Harrell. Uh, woohoo, big pickup. Um, you know. I'm actually so angry. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't. But they but they have rounded out their roster. Um, thoughts real quick. I wanted to see Paul Reed play. I'm Me not too. saying Montrez is going to take his minutes, but it just means oh, he's going to take gonna his minutes. You know who's coaching that team? But B-Ball Paul, I, I thought he was finally going to get his opportunity. Yeah, me too. But this is Glenn Rivers we're talking about. And and I've seen firsthand how he feels about Montrezl Harrell. It's ridiculous. Like, they they need to find a way to get Paul Reed in that lineup, even if it's three minutes a game. Glenn, and I don't, Glenn, I don't care if he goes out there and he's garbage. I, I he he's so Glenn much, Rivers, so much Glenn hard. Rivers is going to find a way to try to play Trez and Embiid at the same time. And oh my, I, I re like 
I really thought that having him off the bench was going to like make this new dynamic where they actually have someone in the post on the bench yeah. that could change the pace of the game. And I'm not saying he's some like next level player, but he is a unique athlete. There's not many posts like him off the bench I, in the I NBA. I agree with that. And I thought it was just going to be an interesting change of pace, change of scenery for the Sixers, and I thought it was going to benefit him. I'm not he, saying Montrez is a terrible player. But... A, he may end up being a great regular season pickup, like especially with Harden, like like running a ball screen stuff with Harden. Like that mm-hmm. could be great stuff. But playoff time, they still, in my opinion, need a reliable backup big, and they didn't answer that question this offseason. I thought it was maybe going to be, hey, we're just going to see if that can be B-ball Paul, but I guess not. Um, I was really hoping. <laughs> and, that, and my that's thing, been my thing one Paul Reed, bro, is let's say the playoffs come and Trez is just playing terrible. Okay, well, then you've played Trez all regular season, so then we hit the same roadblock that we hit this year. He didn't play B-ball Paul at all in the regular season. He had to throw him in in the playoffs because DeAndre Jordan was trash, and we knew he was trash. And Glenn still kept playing him because he got that soft spot for him from the Lob City Clippers. When I say trash, I'm not exaggerating. Like, DeAndre Jordan is trash right now. Garbage. Yeah. And he kept playing him, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I can't play him anymore. So then he was forced to play B-Ball Paul. B-Ball Paul looked lost. He showed flashes, but he looked lost because he doesn't ever get to play. So you might hit that same wall again this year. So we'll see. But Sixers have a great roster. You know, fun little tidbit here. Uh, you know, we've discussed DeAnthony Melton to them and how how that helps. We obviously know the du- the duo that they have and uh, with Harden and Embiid, as well as Maxi is kind of like their third guy. Tobias Harris is a really nice piece. We touched on um, DeAnthony Melton, like I said, how good of a pickup that was. Um, but PJ Tucker as well was a great pickup. And one thing about PJ Tucker, man, if you go back and look at last year. They were a game away from making the finals. The team PJ was on the year before that won the championship. And then um, the team that PJ was on, let's see, who was he on before the Bucks? Why am I tripping? Rockets? Yes. Or, or was he somewhere else after that? Honestly? I think it was Rockets. Oh, he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere. And I think it was Rockets. <laughs> I mean, dude, you look at 2018, like PJ was a part of a team that, took the Warriors, the KD Warriors, having it. Like, PJ's just a winning role player. Like, that's a good Definitely. way to put it. And so it's like you've got a great group there together. So the roster's finished. Very excited to watch them. We've talked about how I – th- I can't remember. Did, I know I have them as a contender. Were they a contender in your eyes? I think they were a contender in mine. And Luke either had them fringe or a definite contender. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, we all so, are very high on this team. Yeah. Um, I mean, they they really did have a fantastic off off season up until this Montrez part. Yeah, I, I they, agree. they added needed the, pieces. They're not flashy. Not the worst pieces, thing but. in the world. Like it's not like it's not like because they picked up Trez that they go down in the off season grades. Like not at all. Like I would say this isn't one of those things where things even out. Like if it's a it's a minus, you don't take away from all the pluses because I don't know. I think you get what I'm saying though. Yeah, uh, it's. It's basically just they've had a great offseason. Montrez is a little bit questionable. It's not going to hurt them, but it might come back to bite them. Honestly, I doubt I did it. not like that they gave him a player option. What are they doing? <laughs> uh, maybe it's just Rivers being a little nice. He might have a garbage season. He's given them another opportunity. 
I don't know, man. I don't get it. But I do think he'll be a good pick and roll partner off the bench for Harden. Um, he, he will. Yeah. But lastly, man, just want to cover we did figure out that on October 4th and October 6th, we are going to get two games between Victor Wimignana and Scoot Henderson. Very excited to see that. Two very intriguing draft prospects. How excited are you to watch those two play against each other on national stage? I'm not a big fan of watching uh, games under college and under the NBA, but this isn't that. It's very high-talented teams, players. It's going to be super fun to watch. I mean, Victor is possibly a top-10 center in the NBA already. Not really. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy. I it, it will be fun to watch because people are kind of questioning Victor's stats. I mean, Luca had questionable stats too. I mean, Victor I want him got thirty-four and ten in a pro game today as an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about like just his international like per season. Yeah, not. But when when he gets out there against Scoot, he will show what he actually is, and people, the few people who are still questioning him, are going to fully commit to him. Scoot is going to be insane. He is so athletic, so talented, and he's also an actor. You know that. Really, he he's gonna star in that LeBron James TV show. Oh, as like Romeo Travis, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I my thoughts on this. I truly think that these two games, Victor's already separated himself as number one pick. I think this national stage is where Scoot also solidifies himself as the number two. It's it's going to be a massive gap between the top two and the third pick. Massive gap. And that's no disrespect to anyone else. Just they're they're both insane. Yeah, but it's it's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm super excited for it. October fourth and October sixth, ESPN. Be ready for it. Right before the NBA season starts, we get to see the top two draft prospects playing next year. But with that being said, this is the end of episode twenty six of the Coast to Coast podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week.